Good morning, church. Last day of February. Tomorrow is bringing in the month of March. How many are ready for some spring-like weather? We had a little tease of it. You know, they had, uh, I think that was called a false spring, what we just experienced over the last few days. And then we're, we had a bunch of rain coming and cold weather. And then hopefully uh, spring is just around the corner. Good to see you in the house of God. And hope you'll make plans. Two weeks from today is our church's 35th uh, birthday celebration. Don't miss uh, the opportunity uh, to just gather with a church family. And uh, we are excited about what God has done over 35 years, but we're not going to rest on our history. We're going to move forward with the power and the uh, moving of the Holy Spirit of God. Looking forward to how He's going to use us to transform, help transform our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the coming days. And uh, plan to stay that Sunday for lunch. As you heard mention, uh, Mr. Pebbles' uh, taco truck was here last year, one of the times that we had uh, food trucks, and then also uh, one of the barbecue trucks from the Netflix uh, barbecue uh, uh, food truck rodeo thing that they had, and uh, it's going to be an absolutely incredible time of fellowship. That'll all be outside, so you can gather outside and uh, have a good time. Looking forward to gathering. It's a church family. Take your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 10. We're wrapping up our series, Who's Your One? We'll be dealing with this uh, theme throughout the course of this year. But we're going to wrap up this series this morning. And I want to encourage you, as you're praying, uh, really this is just to whet your appetite. Because I believe as, throughout the year, as you're building a relationship with your one, God is going to give you an opportunity, multiple opportunities to invest in that person and their eternal destiny. My prayer is that you'll be bold. You'll go forward with his power. As Acts 1-8 says, he'll give us the power to be that witness in our Jerusalem, in our city, in Raleigh, and, and, and the Triangle, and North Carolina, and our Judea, our Samaria, the United States of America, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. As we are going forward as a bold witness to our one. It's turning uh, a little bit warmer. In fact, uh, this past week, uh, people were wearing shorts. Some of you, I uh, know my son, I think he wears shorts like 12 months out of the year. Uh, it doesn't matter how cold it is outside. Steve, I don't know if you ever see kids like that in PE class. But they, they always, everybody's wearing shorts. And uh, it's getting warmer. And so people start wearing, you know, they start wearing the shorts. They're going to the beach. They're going to the lake. They're doing all these things. And one thing that happens with that is people also take off their shoes. And in, in our household, my, uh, my dad's birthday is August, April the 29th. And growing up, he grew up on a farm, and that was the day that you could go barefoot uh, in his family. That was kind of like, uh, you know, it was well into spring, it's warm enough, uh, warm enough in the daytime anyway, that you could go barefoot on the farm. And so that was kind of like a, a hard set rule, so to speak. Uh, April 29th was the day you could start uh, taking your shoes off and going barefoot. Whatever, nowadays people are wearing flip-flops. Uh, some of some you may have worn flip-flops this morning, or they wear sandals, and, and you start seeing people's feet. You ever look down sometimes and notice people's feet? I mean, I'm just a, I'm a real, I, feet are just nasty. I mean, I would never make a living uh, doing uh, pedicures. I mean, touching people's nasty, grangy, I mean, cover that mess up. I mean, nobody wants to see anybody else feel the same. I mean, that is a nasty part of the body. My feet stink on the best of days. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm in front of God and everybody this morning. I mean, I, I don't like feet. It's just kind of a nasty thing. But sometimes you're looking at it like that should never be see the light of day. I mean, don't, don't expose those things, you know. And people have 
weird uh, crooked toes. One toe is long, way longer than all the other ones. And like, I mean, something is so strange about that. And I, you know, some churches practice foot washing. And I'm like, I'd have to be first in line because after about 15 people went through that water, I don't think I could put my foot in that water. I'm just, I'm, I'm crazy like that. But, you know, the Bible talks about beautiful feet. In our text this morning, we're going to look at what it means to have beautiful feet as we're seeking to reach our one with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord tells us that those who carry the message of hope and salvation have beautiful feet. In other words, what they're doing, their mission it is beautiful in the sight of God. And so maybe you don't have the most beautiful feet. Maybe you're not getting a, a job as a foot model. You know, you're not, you know, uh, the one that they use for the advertisements in the belt catalog or whatever, or, or, or for whatever the, uh, the, 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 uh, they're selling as far as footwear. So maybe you don't have that type of feet. But he says, you can have beautiful feet today if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you take personal the, the, the command and the commission by God himself to take the good news of the gospel to our one and ultimately around the, the, the world with the gospel. In an effort to help us remember this morning the main point of the sermon, I want us to say this phrase together, I will use my feet to meet and say, what does that mean? I'm going to use the feet that God gave me to take the good news of the gospel to those who've never heard. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's to cross the hall in your own house and telling a, a, a child or a parent or a grandparent maybe that lives with you about the Jesus Christ loves them and has a desire, died that he might have a relationship with them. So let's say this phrase together. I will use my feet to meet. Now, that was like two of us in the room because I could hear you because nobody else was saying it. So maybe you're online, you're watching online. Let's say this together. I will use my feet to meet. All right, so we're going to see as we get through the text this morning, as we dive into it, we're going to see how that all correlates. I invite you to look at the Word of God and, and, and think this morning that it's not my words on the subject. What we're reading is the Word of God, and it's God-breathed. It's God's holy Word, and He wants us to understand it. He wants us to learn to apply it to our daily lives. So Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what does that next say, ch phrase say, church? Will be what? All right, now, uh, say it like you actually believe it this morning. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, church? saved. Okay, so hopefully you're waking up, uh, the juices are flowing, so to speak, and you're, you're getting some, uh, uh, all those uh, endorphins moving this morning. How then will we call, they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I love verse 15. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of God, through the word of Christ. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. But I ask, did Israel not understand First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, but a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who do not seek me. 
I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But if Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to disobedient and contrary people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, I'm convinced that the church of Jesus Christ, maybe over this last 11 months, 11 and a half months as we're approaching a year in this pandemic, Lord, there's lots of things that have been taken away from us. Uh, many people believe some of their freedoms have been, have been, have been eroded. Some people believe that their, their ability to go and do as, as we have for all of our lives, Lord, have been taken away. And the, the confidence of, of just being out in public and being in public places, and oftentimes those things have been taken away from us. And uh, the inability to be able to gather with friends and family like we want to and, and just go and do at our own leisure. And God, uh, also along with those things is the ability to connect with others. And Lord, may we not sit back Lord, over this last year and, and become complacent in our relationship with you. Because God, the Great Commission uh, uh, goes far beyond any pandemic. The, the Great Commission, it supersedes any rules of, 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 God, of man and, and government. But God, the Great Commission is to go and share the good news of the gospel with every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Lord, I'm thankful that you didn't uh, Lord, when you died on the cross, you didn't just take us all on to heaven. But Lord, you left us here with a mission. And Lord, that mission is, is so crystal clear this morning. And God, if we're ever going to reach our one with the gospel, if we're going to impact our city, we've got to take it seriously, God. We've got to see the, the power that you placed in our hands, Lord, to, to be a messenger, a vessel that takes the gospel around the world. And God, may you use us in a mighty fashion this morning. Lord, may you reignite that passion and the burden for reaching lost souls with the gospel. And Lord, I pray over the course of the next 10 months, Lord, as we are seeking to reach our one with the gospel, Lord, may we have beautiful feet. Lord, feet that would take the good news across the street, across the hall at work, across the, 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 the city that you've called us to live in, and Lord, across the world. And Lord, make an impact on the kingdom of God. And Lord, we know ultimately you give the increase. Ultimately, you're the one that saves. And God, may we do our part in being faithful. And God, may you bless your word as it's preached this morning. Solidified in our hearts. Lord, if there's someone who is gathered here in person this morning or watching online who's never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, I pray this morning would be that moment of decision that you would call them, that they would believe in you and they'd place their faith and they'd call out to you for, for salvation. And God, you would give them forgiveness of sin this morning. God, do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. Give us a, a, a desire, Lord, a passion to re uh, revitalize those relationships, Lord, and build friendships this year that would be intentional in helping lead people to faith in Christ. And God will give you the glory for what you're going to accomplish this morning. In your name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. This morning as we look at our text, salvation is available to everyone. If you've ever memorized the Romans road, you know verse 13. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you know that this is a direct quote from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 32? He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, church? Saved. Everyone. I'm thankful this morning 
that God did not discriminate against me because I'm not Jewish. I'm thankful he didn't look on me because my skin was a different color than his son who came here to earth to die. That He didn't pass over and said, you know what, nope, not going to happen this time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone who's maybe a little bit more studious. I'm looking for a person who has a greater intellect or intelligence. I'm looking for someone who has more to offer me or more talents or abilities. No, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the entire world. And so we're looking, he says, salvation is available to every one of us. So this morning, whether you live in Wake County or Johnston County or Harnett County or Chatham or Lee County, this morning, Jesus Christ died for you. Whether you live in the state of North Carolina or the United States of America, Jesus Christ died for you. But folks, get out in a little bit broader spectrum whether you live in Venezuela or Cuba or Brazil or China or India or New Zealand, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the entire world. And folks, if you reside on planet Earth, the salvation that Jesus Christ is offering is available to every single one of us. When you travel outside of uh, the, the, the USA, sometimes I, I, I think this is just our American mindset we tend to think we have like a corner on the gospel. And, and, and Kim, I mean, I remember your first trip on a mission trip was to New York City. And, and I remember that team that got back, they were serving, I think, Steve, you were on that same team. And, and you guys went up there and served with Hurricane Disaster Relief after Hurricane Sandy ravaged that part of our, our country. And they came back, and uh, there was such a fire about the fact that there are people here in our own country who've never heard the gospel and we had an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus and point them toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know what it did? It didn't stop there because that created a, a greater fire and passion for what I've been championing and saying all along is we've got to get to the nations. We have to go to the Panamas, the Kenyas, the, the Indias, the Nicaraguas, the, I mean, we have got to take the gospel to the into the earth. And so, folks, what happens is once you go on that first trip, you get to see a much grander picture, not the dashboard view. Suddenly we get the helicopter view as we see, hey, the world is so much larger, and Jesus Christ loves them too. Yes, their skin might be different. Maybe their eyes have a, a, a different color or tint, or, or, or maybe their, their, their uh, language is different than ours. But folks, Jesus Christ loves them the same. And folks, he, he loves them and died, and died and rose again to provide a relationship with God the Father. It's convicting how little we warn people in our own world of the fact that they're gonna, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. But folks, the reality is, is oftentimes we'll never go around the world what we won't do right here at home. We'll never do around the world. And I remember a few years ago, I think 2016, one of our mission teams, we were on a medical trip to uh, Romania. And, and you say, why were you on a medical team? I mean, you're not a doctor. I was there as the, I was preaching. And, and, and so as people were coming through the medical clinic, I was one of the people that was sharing the gospel with them. And I remember one of our men and one of our ladies both looked at me about halfway through the trip. And both of them had had the privilege, Steve, of leading someone to Christ and one of them said, why did I have to leave Raleigh and go all the way to Romania to lead my first person to faith in Jesus? 
Why did I have to go halfway around the world to lead my first person to faith in Jesus? Folks, the reality is, is you don't. Those opportunities are across the street, next door, across the hall at work. They're, they're all around us. They're in our own household many times. But folks, we have got to take the opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The cool thing is it doesn't, once you get a taste of that, you can't be satisfied just living on autopilot. You can't sit back in the back seat and kind of take it easy and say, we're just cruising through life. No, suddenly you realize the mission starts here at home. And I've got to be a witness in Raleigh if I'm ever going to make a difference or an impact in Romania. I've got to be a, a, a witness here in North Carolina if I'm ever going to go to Nigeria, if I'm ever going to go to Ch China or go and make an impact around the world. The only way to be saved is through the preaching of the gospel, he says in verse 14. Look at the verse 14. He says, how then when they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So if getting saved is the product, let's look at the, the process. Keeping in mind, in Romans chapter 10, he's highlighting human responsibility and, and, and what, our responsibility as a follower of Jesus. But in Romans 9, he's emphasizing divine election. And Paul is saying the process took place amongst the Jewish people so that they are without excuse when they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard that Jesus is the Messiah and he came and, and died on the cross. The same process then took place amongst the Gentiles. Paul began to preach the good news of the gospel. And the mystery of the gospel is that it's available to all of us. Not just a select chosen few, but the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus loves each and every one of us. And he died so that you and I could have a personal relationship. So Paul is saying this process took place amongst the Jewish people. They had no excuse for rejecting Christ. Each of these words, preaching, hearing, believing, and calling, describes a chain of events that takes place in, in someone's life. And look at the steps in logical order, the preaching of the word. This is it's not just referring to what I'm doing this morning, what pastors do all across the world on, on Sunday mornings or, or whenever they're preaching to their congregation. It actually means to communicate the gospel in a way that someone can understand, which I hope is what we're doing on Sundays this morning and around the world. But it's what you do when you explain how you can become a believer to a coworker. It's what you do when you walk across the street and talk to a neighbor and have a gospel conversation with a coworker. It's what happens when you communicate Christ to a, a relative. And it's, it's how you, your one is going to hear and know that Jesus Christ loves them. Folks, the, the beauty of all of this is it, it, it's, it's a starting point that runs countercultural to our society, our, our pluralistic society. In fact, God has ordained that no one can be saved without understanding the preaching of the gospel. In other words, you can't come to faith in God without Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the only way a person can be saved. So you've got to have the gospel. It must be preached. 
It must be taught. And folks, it doesn't take a pastor or a seminary degree to preach the gospel this morning. Every single one of us are preaching something by the way we live our lives. Jesus Christ has called us to go. My dad has been preaching the gospel now for over 50 years. Pray for him this week. He's having a, a heart procedure on Tuesday. But folks, Lord willing, he's going to come through that with flying colors and continue preaching the gospel for many years to come. And I love that. In fact, over 35 years ago, God burdened he and my mom to, to start Calvary Raleigh Church. And I remember them praying and, and being on their knees and, and praying for God to do a mighty work and to use him and, and, and those that would come alongside of him to plant a church here to preach the gospel. And folks, I'm thankful for his sacrifice. I'm thankful that he was willing to do what, you know, few people are willing to do and, and being bold and, and helping be a part of preaching the gospel. Then there's the hearing process. If we want someone to get saved, they must hear the message of Christ crucified, that he rose victoriously from the grave. It's important to build relationships and to live authentic Christian life in front of people. But folks, it can't stop at just being a good example. You've got to share the good news. It's, it's what we're commanded to do. Go and be a, a witness. And so it's not just say, well, uh, lifestyle Christianity is great, but at some point you can have all the verses memorized. You can sit in every Bible study that's ever been conducted in the entire history of the world and not lead one soul to faith in Jesus Christ. At some point, you've got to open your mouth so they can hear the truth of the gospel. You're the mouthpiece. So the hearing is important. In Acts 4, verse 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the word believed. The number of the men came to about 5,000. While there are Christians present in every nation, Many ethnic groups have never heard the truth of the gospel in their own language or their own dialect. And they're outside the influence of the gospel 2,000 years after the Great Commission was given by our Lord and Savior before he traveled on and went back to heaven. There are still thousands and millions who have not heard the truth of the gospel. In fact, uh, uh, according to International Bulletin of Missionary Research, Approximately 1.8 billion people have still not heard the gospel, folks. Many more need to hear it. And there are places all around the world. In fact, when we traveled to Romania, uh, at one point, there were great churches across the, the country of Romania. And folks, secularism has set in. Uh, and over time, uh, Europe, who used to become a, became a continent of great sending of missionaries, now has, has become so cold. Churches have been closed. They're turning to mosques. And, and folks, what's happening is the gospel is almost silent in some of these nations around the country, around the world. And folks, it's our responsibility to preach the good news of the gospel. So preaching, hearing, believing the gospel is preached. When someone hears it with their heart, then they can receive the truth of the gospel. I love the words of Jesus in John chapter 5. He says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death unto life. And I, I love that picture. It's a, a visual of someone going from being a dead person 
going to being very much alive and alive in Christ. So there's the preaching, there's the hearing, there's the believing, and then there's the calling. The only way a person can be saved is to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. This morning, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, you don't have to memorize the first five books of the Bible. You don't have to memorize the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You don't have to have perfect attendance in Sunday school or give 10% of your income to the church. No, what you have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. Whoever calls, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. You know what that does? That takes the pressure off of you and I as believers because it's not your job to save someone. It's just your job to be the mouthpiece. And the Holy Spirit of God convicts and draws them to faith in Christ. It takes the pressure off. My job is to plant the seed, sow the seed. And here in a few weeks, it's going to be time to start digging up that soil and and planting some seeds. If you want to uh, reseed or overseed your yard, it's about that time. Here in a few weeks, you're going to start getting it aerated and pulling those plugs of dirt up. And it's good. It's healthy for the soil. And you're going to plant a garden. You're going to start buying some plants and putting them in the ground. And you're planting the seed. But folks, you can't just plant it and then walk away. No, you're going to plant. Maybe someone else comes along and waters, fertilizes, but ultimately God gives the increase, the Word of God tells us. He is the one who saves. So the key is to make sure I'm willing to be involved in the process. I'm sharing the good news of the gospel. We see thirdly, those who bring salvation must be sent. Look at verse 15 of our text. As you, as you look at the Word, it says, How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The whole process is jump-started by the fact that they are sent. Verse 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those. In other words, the word sent comes from the, the verb that's translated apostle. It's where we get our English word missionary. A missionary is a sent one, and the church is, is the divinely appointed body that commissions and send out missionaries. And every year before we have mission teams that go out around the world, uh, and share the good news. You remember not that long ago, there was a whole team of people all across the front. They were preparing to go to Brazil. And we commissioned the team. And, and we lay hands, pre-COVID, you lay hands on those people. And, and we're praying over them and say, why is that? Because we're sending you out as a, uh, as a preacher of the gospel. And we're commissioning you to go forward in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit's power as a missionary. So the missionary is sent and the church is the sending body. And folks, they share the good news of salvation with everyone who comes in contact. Acts chapter 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I love this picture because as the Word of God is working in our hearts and lives, folks, you and I can't just sit back on autopilot. As comfortable as it is to sit on the bench, that's not where the action is. Yesterday, I was at my daughter's lacrosse game in college, and I mean, 
she probably gets embarrassed because, you know, for four years in high school, she's heard us screaming on the sidelines, you know, Savannah, I mean, going on, and I'm like, you know, kids at some point were probably, oh, my parents are so embarrassing, she's been embarrassed right now as I'm talking about it, you know, there's something about getting into the game and getting into the action, that's where it's exciting, I mean, it's neat to walk out onto the field and the opening ceremonies and hear the national anthem and all those things, but there's something about getting into the game and into the action of the heat of the moment and, and having a part of the victory. And folks, what happens is those who are going to bring forth salvation must be sent. The church has got to send them out. The word beautiful means timely or full bloom. And it was used to com communicate vigor or swiftness. The idea is that the messenger was overwhelmed with excitement uh, and running fast in order to give the good news of Christ. I'm reminded of this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul writes, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Paul wanted the power of the gospel to go before him and begin to prepare the hearts of those who would hear the message of hope and salvation. Check out what's behind the phrase good news. In fact, in Greco-Roman culture, it was a technical term for the news of victory. In other words, the messenger would appear. He would raise his right hand in greeting and call out with a loud voice, Rejoice! We are victorious! And what happens is, by his appearance, it's known already, he is there to bring good news. His face is shining brightly, it's beaming. His spear is decked with laurel. His head is crowned. He swings a branch of palms. Joy fills the city. The temples are garlanded. The, the a race is held. And the messenger is honored with a wreath. It's convicting though. Because folks, if you think about it, all of that pomp and circumstance for just a race. But folks, how much more important is the message of the gospel? And yet so many people are just sitting back like, what's the big deal? I don't care. I mean, I worked with teens for all, for years. And, and Steve, I, I remember sometimes uh, you helped me with games. And I mean, we would literally rack our brains trying to fun, come up with the, the funnest, most, uh, uh, most exciting games. And you're thinking to yourself, I mean, this is going to be a, a home run. I mean, everyone's going to want to play this game. And you get out there and you're leading this game. And all of a sudden you're like, everyone's looking at you like you've like grown a third eye. I mean, like you, you've got some kind of uh, weird, uh, uh, you know, tick or something. I mean, you're, and they're looking at you and they're like, what's wrong with that person? I mean, why would you think this is fun? And, and, and I mean, there were times it would make me mad. I'm like, I, we've worked for hours on this. I mean, we've been collecting supplies for this game for like a week and, and now we're finally doing it and they're looking at us like we're stupid. I mean, you, your mom, I mean, you know that feeling. It's like that feeling your kids get you like, Oh, Dad, please stop. I mean, don't embarrass me, Dad. I mean, don't, don't, don't go down that road. I mean, and you're so out of touch with the reality. But folks, the, the, the reality this morning is we have the truth. We have the hope of God in our hearts and lives. And we've got to go forward, encourage, sharing the message of hope and salvation. Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Omar sat right here on our stage, and he was here from Nicaragua, and he was sharing with excitement about what God is doing in a pandemic year. 
of building the church of Jesus Christ. And, and he told me, he messaged me yesterday. We talk almost every single day, multiple times a day. He was texting me on, on Facebook and he says, hey, Pastor, I'm getting ready to baptize several new people next week. And I mean, there's an excitement. I said, man, I couldn't be more thrilled for you and your church and ultimately for the kingdom of God as, as you're seeing people saved. Folks, not only will they hear, all will hear, not all of those will heed the message of the gospel. And it's important to understand that. Verse 16 and 17 says, not all of the Israelites accepted the good news. So you mean, if I share the good news, everyone's not going to just automatically get saved? Nope. It's not that simple. You're a teacher. How many times, and I can only imagine, I was talking to one of our teachers this morning, I can't imagine teaching in 2021. I mean, I mean, I just can't fathom it. I mean, Kim, I can't imagine what it's like to be teaching to a camera and you're thinking, is anyone, I mean, I go in my son's room and I'm like, turn on your camera. I mean, let your teacher see you that you're actually, and they, dad, no one does that. I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't. Um, well, if I was teaching in 2021, your camera's going to be on or you're counted absent, all right? It's just that simple. I mean, uh, let's just get real. I mean, I'm not teaching to a bunch of people I can't see. And but all of a sudden, you're sitting there saying, they've got to be having, connecting and talking and have conversations. And you're trying to make sure they're actually, and everyone's going, that's just so stupid and old school. No, at some level, you need to know you're connecting with your audience. You're getting through. I don't know how you can, I don't know how you do that. I mean, it's uh, all those Sundays that I was preaching just to a camera, this entire building was empty. And I'm sitting here going, God help us. I mean, I'm dying a slow, agonizing, painful death right now because I feel like I'm staring at four walls and a camera. And, and it's, it's got to get better than this. But not all who hear will heed the message. In fact, John 12, 37 says, even after Jesus had done all of these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Remember our text just two weeks through, through three Sundays ago? I said, even, Jesus said, even if someone rose from the grave, some of you would not believe that it actually happened. I mean, you can have a, a physical resurrection of someone who is dead, and people will still reject the truth of the gospel. It means that someone is saved only by hearing the message. No, they've got to call on the name of Jesus in order to be saved. Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ, folks. So what happens is, even if people don't accept it, we must keep on sharing the good news, giving the gospel message. And folks, faith comes by hearing. Sometimes we want it, like uh, Burger King says, having it our way. And folks, I think it's ruined us because we think, well, I'm just going to share the gospel one time and poof, there it is. I mean, they're going to automatically receive the gospel and like, wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Folks, that may happen one in a hundred times. But what happens is you're planting the seed. You're planting the seed. You're plant and folks, if you've ever watched grass grow, it takes a while actually to germinate. You put that seed down there, and I mean, you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, this is taking forever. And you water it, and then hopefully, you know, unlike recent weeks, the sun never comes out. But I mean, originally the sun's got to come out, and, and, and one day you wake up, and it's like 
little green hairs growing up, coming up out of the ground, and they're everywhere. And before long, they start getting larger, and, and they get some size on them, and before long, it, it starts filling in. And folks, I, I can't wait for that. That's why I wanted my yard to be sodded when we build our house. But I'm like, I, it takes forever, but eventually, it grows in. And if you begin to fertilize it and water it and, 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 and do all the different things to it to make it look good, folks, you can have a beautiful yard. And folks, the same thing is true. When we're sharing the good news of the gospel, don't get discouraged because someone doesn't receive the Christ the moment you share the good news. We must continually sharing the good news. And the phrase that we mentioned earlier, I will use my feet to meet. I will use my feet to go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ to those who've never heard. We go on, we see um, next, in number five, we must go global with the gospel. Look at what happened in our text. In, in verse 18, Paul asks and answers. He gives a Q&A with himself. He asks himself two different questions. And the first Q&A appears in verse 18. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? Have they not heard? Indeed, they have, he says. And, and, and he goes on, he says, For their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. He goes on in verse 19, but I ask, Did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I'll make you jealous of those who are not a nation. What a foolish nation, I will make you angry. In other words, he's going on, and he goes on this verse 20, he says, Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who do not, did not ask for me. When the gospel went to the Gentiles, many rejected the gospel. When the gospel at first went out to the Jews, many people rejected it. But he says, we've got to continue taking it out to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And, and folks, I love the, the picture over 200 years ago, William Carey thought God had a plan for his life. And he, he had gotten saved, as a, converted as a teenager. Shortly afterwards, he began to study about missions and mission works. And I have, if you ever want to read a, a, a good uh, biography on his life, I've got a book in my library that I would I'll gladly share with you. And it's a story that talks about the, the life of William Carey and how God stirred in his heart to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel message. And, and folks, as he began to study, Carey developed a, a biblical perspective on the subject of missions. He became convinced that foreign missions was the responsibility of the New Testament church. And so his ideas were revolutionary at his time. Most of his peers believed that the Great Commission was given only to the apostles. And so preaching to the heathen was the furthest thing from their mind. It wasn't a concern of theirs. When Carey presented his ideas to a group of ministers, one of them retorted, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without your help and mine. Carey sat down, but the idea that he had proposed, considered by even his close friends as wild and, and an impractical scheme, continued to occupy his mind and ultimately his heart. Carey sat down and he began to ponder what the next step was. And no one in his ministerial association could have guessed that seven years later, this unpretentious young man would embark with his wife and children for the country of India, never to return. 
and initiate one of the most illustrious missionary careers in the history of the church. I think it's ironic that he is now referred to as the father of modern missions. This teenager, this young man who couldn't possibly know anything about anything, he's insane. Take, take a seat. Don't get so excited and worked up over this thing of sharing the gospel. And yet, William Carey would turn the world upside down, continents upside down, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I guess those other ministers had no clue how God could use one person who was sold out completely for Jesus Christ. How he would stir his heart and what God could do through him. We lastly see here in our text, God continues to be gracious and patient even though people reject the gospel. But of Israel, verse 21, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Israel cannot claim that they're innocent or ignorant for the fact of the matter is that they were disobedient. We see in this final verse, the word disobedient means willfully, to willfully disbelieve and to be unpersuadable. While the word obstinate means to talk back and to openly oppose. And some of you are like, that sounds like my house every single day, dealing with teenagers. I mean, they will talk back to you. They will try you. They will do everything they can. And sometimes they can get on your every last nerve. That's exactly how we are to God so often. We talk back. Oh, God, you couldn't possibly want me to. Lord, you couldn't. Certainly you couldn't be asking me to. And you fill in the blank. And folks, the reality is, is God has called all of us to go and be a bold witness. We see God's gracious offer, which still stands today. Over 2,000 years later, he's holding out his hands to people who don't want to be uh, persuaded. And folks, their holdout is very describable, he, he, very descriptive. He, it says to stretch out, to fly out, to extend. In other words, the arms outstretched all day long is a picture of the love that Jesus had for us. As folks, as he hung on the cross of Calvary and breathed his final breath, folks, he had you on his heart, you on his mind as he was dying for our sins. So even when people turn away time and time again, God is graciously extending an invitation for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. I often think of my granddad who received Christ at the age of 91 years old. I'll be honest, there were times in my own life, even as a kid and as a, as a teenager, I wondered, has he rejected the gospel so many times that his heart's been hardened to God? That he couldn't, I mean, God eventually hardened Pharaoh's heart. He eventually hardened his heart. And I mean, is this one of those moments where he's just said no so many times? But folks, that's not my job to play God. It's my job to be faithful and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One pastor hit it on the head when he writes about this passage. He says, we give and we pray. We send missionaries to the ends of the earth. We keep on believing and we never give up even when people seem far from God. Because we know that in spite of the sin and disobedience we see all around us, God still loves the world. John 3.16 is just as true today as it was in Jesus' day. 
He still saves souls. You say, Pastor, what's the application? I'm thankful you ask. Why not thank the person, the beautiful feet that brought the good news of Jesus Christ to you? Whether it was a parent, maybe a Sunday school teacher in the church that you grew up, or a youth leader, or a youth pastor, or a pastor, or a teacher in your school, or, or a neighbor, or a family member who led you to faith in Christ. Why not thank them for being bold enough to speak up and say, I want to share what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And I want you to know how he can transform and save your soul too. Because you see what happens is as we begin to give thanks, there's something about doing that. It starts to resonate in our own heart. I also have a responsibility. Why not start living missionally right here? Say, Pastor, I can't ever see myself going on one of those trips to India. First time I went to India, Steve, I got sick as a dog. I got home, I had the norovirus, I call it. I lost like 12 pounds. I mean, that was a rough, I mean, cruel thing. I got home, I thought, I won't ever go back to that God-forsaken place. I mean, I was, I, all I had was memories of, of, of being sick. But folks, what God began to do in my heart is say, there's over 1.2 billion people in that nation. And folks, if they are willing to listen and hear the message of salvation, the least I can do is get on a plane fly 21 hours to tell them that Jesus loves them. And you know what? Sometimes I've gotten off that plane and I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? First time I went there, I got off the plane and I'm like, we ain't in Kansas anymore. We have, this is not America. This is not North Kakalaki. I mean, we've, so we've gone, where have I gone? What have I done? But folks, some of the most incredible moments of my life have been not in America, have been in other countries as I've gone and was faithful to share the good news of Christ. And folks, I remember sleeping in buildings that have uh, huts. I'm like, my shed in my backyard was nicer than the building I was sleeping in. But it had a dirt floor and, and there were holes in the walls. And I'm thinking, I'm terrified of snakes. I'm going to get eaten alive by a cobra in, in, in India. And, I mean, I will never see my family again. And I mean, Jason, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, I've had fears about all those things. But folks, I'll go there a hundred more times if it means more people get to hear that Jesus Christ loves them. And you know what? With a little help from Tylenol PM, you can sleep through anything. I mean, I would go over there. I'd go to bed. I wasn't worried about a single snake. I didn't even remember I was even in the world. I was sound asleep. Wake up the next day and go back at it. Uh, even when they shot a dog outside my, my, my window and, and he was lunch the next day. I mean, I was sitting there thinking, I am a vegetarian every time I go to India now. I don't eat meat anymore. It's just strange how that thing works. But, you know, you go and it's not about me. It's about taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. William Carey is known for a phrase he repeated often throughout his sermons. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. You see what happens is when we are expecting God to use us, we'll step forward in His power might and his strength. We'll do so with confidence. 
knowing that Jesus Christ has called me. And folks, some of the most bold witnesses I've ever seen are men and women in this very room who have stepped up and said, I'll go. I'll take the good news of the gospel. I'll be a bold witness. And I love when you're inviting a coworker, a friend, a neighbor to church. You know what? Starting next Sunday, we're beginning a, a brand new series called Next Steps. And we're going to be talking about what those next steps look like for us as a church. Some of you, your next step is to come back to church in person. Can I get a witness this morning? Some of you, uh, numbers are down 77% in the last six weeks. It's time to come back to church. You see, if not now, when is it going to be? Go ahead and get your vaccine. If you, but I'm saying it's time to come back to church. It's time to get back around God's people and be encouraged. It's, it's somebody said, I've already turned you off, Pastor. Well, then maybe the Holy Spirit will convict you and get a hold of your heart. At some point, you've got to say, I'm going to not forsake the assembling of myself with as a matter of some as God can protect me in church with God's people just as much as he can at home, around, sitting around a, a table or sitting on your couch or laying in bed. Folks, at the end of the day, we've got to make it a priority in our lives. If we're ever going to make a difference out in the world, we've got to start rallying the troops in the church. And it's time to come on back that we're saving a seat for you. We're going to get you back in church and we want to get you around God's people. We have small groups that are going to be launching in just a little over a month. We want to get you plugged into a life group. So why is that? Because I want you to start growing again. We're going to have opportunities. We'll start talking about next Sunday, the following Sunday, what they're going to look like. Ways There's something for every single one of you. It's time to get back in person and growing in relationship. I want to challenge you to meet someone new every day. Over the course of the next few weeks, if you're going to reach your one, some of you may say, I haven't even found them yet. Well, you start, start building relationships. Asking the Holy Spirit of God to show you. Meet someone who ever, use your feet to meet. You might need to go out of your way. You might need to, you know, get your focus off yourself and start saying, I'm going to start talking to someone I don't know. It's a little difficult sometimes to do that with this thing on your face. But if that's where we're at right now, put your mask on, mask up, and go share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone who needs to know Christ. Because what happens is uh, we are being robbed of so many freedoms and things in this world. But folks, the gospel transcends all of those things. We still have a mission. When Jesus sought to save, he went where people were. He got out into the marketplace, make it a goal to meet someone. Maybe it's on a walk in the park. Maybe it's walking around your neighbor. Do those things. Folks, what's the value of just one soul? What's the value of just one soul? One, maybe Andrew, who brought Simon, his brother. Just one. But that one was many, for under the Holy Spirit's power, as Simon preached on the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 came to faith in Christ in one day. Joel Stratton was a waiter at a restaurant. He brought John Go to Christ. Just one person and Go brought many to Christ over his lifetime. Ezra Kimball, a Sunday school teacher, brought D.L. Moody to Christ. Just one person. It wasn't many, but Moody rocked two continents for Christ through preaching of the gospel. You see, it's a process of multiplication. One person 
can share it with another person who will share it with another person who will share it with another person. And folks, the, the message of the gospel, we need to realize the potential of one. And, and folks, seek to win our one with the Holy Spirit's power. Those of us who know must tell those who don't know. If we want people to know, we must be willing to go. You want beautiful feet this morning? Take the message of hope and salvation across the street, across the city, around the world, and let's bring the gospel. Be a giver and a goer. Let's have beautiful feet. Church, what can God do this morning in helping you reach your one with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, what a privilege we've had this morning to look in your word and the apostle Paul is challenging the church that we might have beautiful feet and carrying forth the gospel message to those around us God would you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives would may you stir within us a passion to lead our one to faith in Christ God help us not to sit back and blame it on the shutdown or the pandemic or the mask or no, stop making excuses. God, may you do a mighty work in our heart and solidify the desire to get out there and begin building relationships, intentional relationships that we can lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. God, do a mighty work in our midst. God, help us to stop making excuses. It's time for the church to rally together and begin to do our part if we're ever going to make an impact on our city. God, we're watching people moving into our, our neighborhoods, our, our county by the thousands. And God, if we're going to make an impact, we've got to stop playing church. We've got to stop sitting back, taking an autopilot approach, and we've got to get some skin in the game. God, we've got to start getting into the game, getting into the action. God, may you do a mighty work in our hearts this morning stir our hearts with a passion to reach our one with the gospel. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand our